Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. We have one of our extra interview pods for you. Uh, in recent uh, recent months and years, the National League has been something we've talked about a lot, uh, especially since uh, COVID and that controversial national lottery money distribution. Um, and because we had so many issues rising, we thought we'd have a chat with Mark Ives, who's general manager of the National League. And this is what he had to say. And before you ask, yes, this interview was before Palace played Brighton on Wednesday night. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we start, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been in this current role. Uh, in the current role, I joined in January 21. Uh, having left the Football Association, uh, I was there for 19 and a half years uh, as head of judicial services uh, and left in August uh, of 20. Good time to leave, really, smack bang in the middle of a, 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 a COVID. Yeah. Um, let's start with a topical question, Mark, partly because Kieran gets a bit edgy if we go for 20 minutes without mentioning Tracy Crouch. Um, what's the National League's view on the, on the recently released white paper? Recently released, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's not something that really crept up on us, though, was it? So it, no, it was exactly. high in the media for quite a while. Uh, when the fan-led review uh, was in full flow, from a National League perspective, we engaged with it very early on. Uh, we'd had a number of questions that we wanted to ask uh, and inquire and, and to help assist the best way we possibly could. So we had a, a couple of sessions with the fan-led review, uh, put in the league's point of view across. And I think it's important before the white paper came out that we made it clear our position on it was that as far as having an independent regulator was concerned, we had no problems. Yeah. We had a view that uh, providing the Football Association could show itself to be truly independent and meet the criteria as far as that was concerned. It, it should, in an ideal world, be the uh, the FA that was the regulator, as we believe that any sports governing body should be the regulator of its own sport. But we made it clear that that if that wasn't to be the case in the view of government, then we would want to embrace the regulator in any case, but equally at the right step. Uh, and our view is that there is a clear distinction between those operating at step one and those operating at step two. And we felt the line should be drawn at step one. And uh, equally with an eye, though, that our club's uh, run their businesses and we want to make sure that it wouldn't be financially crippling for them as well because anybody knows anything about the regulation or the regulators is that the sport itself will have to fund it in one way, shape or form. Hmm. I, have you been surprised uh, by the opposition from the Premier League or some clubs within it or did you see that coming? Everybody wants to protect their own position, don't they? So I've got... Yeah. No real problems with that. Uh, the devil is in the detail in the white paper, though, because it, it gives a broad outline that I think anybody 
would be really hard pushed to argue against. You know, how can we argue against clubs being financially sustainable, the heritage being protected, uh, making sure that we've got the right owners? How can you argue against that as a principle? In terms of how you achieve it, that's that's the real difficult thing, and you know that, that will come out over a period of consultation over the coming months to see how it works. Yeah, sustainability in the National League is something I will come on to, but I, I, I want to ask. Um, I hesitate to use the word controversial, Mark, because our listeners will be falling off their chairs at the idea of us saying anything controversial. But this is probably the closest thing I've come to asking anybody a controversial question recently. There's been some fuss, shall we say, over the distribution of £10 million of National Lottery grant money during COVID, um, especially as covered in the film Gate Money. In in hindsight, would you have done things differently? Uh, Well, I think fuss is probably the right word. Uh, During a time where there was a lot of real concern smack bang in the middle of COVID. Yeah. The National League's intention was to enable football to continue. We were all learning at the time. In fact, at, at that time, I wasn't part of the National League. Yeah. But I made it my uh, initial aim when I came on board in, in a few months later uh, to, to check to see uh, what all of the concern was about. And for sure, you look back at uh, the... Uh, the documents that I've got and and, and the, the things that have gone on, that the one thing that I've learned from it is you try to distribute £10 million worth of money, you're going to have some opposition from those people who think they, it should have been sliced in a different way. Yeah. So I, I'm satisfied that there was nothing untoward, there was nothing done incorrectly. Uh, it's just a people's different views on how that cake is sliced. And that's a real, real tough position to be in. And the intention of the board uh, was to make sure that football could continue uh, whilst in COVID in a, in a safe environment. And, and look, I can't criticise the, the intentions or, or what they did with that. Um, who knows? I hope we're never in that situation again. Yeah, I don't think even at the time anyone really suggested there was anything untoward. You just had this you had this enormous amount of goodwill initially for securing the £10 million in the first place. But then you know, we spoke to the, the head of Dulwich Hamlet at the time, and it was just it, it just seemed a very confusing method of distributing the money. That, that seemed to be the, the problem. There was no real cohesion about the, the, the method. That, that was, would you agree with that? I, I wouldn't. I think the method oh, okay. was clean. I think the confusion came from the suggestion that it would be dealt with on purely on attendances. Ah, and okay. that that is where the confusion came. And actually what I would say is I wouldn't agree with something being distributed solely on attendances, um, that, that it's not a consistent approach. Club Clubs vary club to club as to how much they charge, as to – you know, what tickets they allow in and uh, free of charge. And it's a really difficult way to deal with it. If they'd have had time, then maybe a cleaner way was to look at the sustainability of the clubs and the financial records of the clubs. But it has to be remembered that the money was secured at a time where they had to get the money distributed fairly quickly uh, across the clubs who some hadn't had money for several months. Mm. So it was a, a backs against the wall. Can we get the game 
uh, the games kicking off and and help the clubs. And if they've had more time, might they have come up with a different way of distributing the money? Maybe. Mark, as the profile of the National League has grown in the last couple of years, particularly, we, we've come to speak about it more and more in the pod. And one of the things that Kieran's highlighted is average losses in the National League are £700,000 a year, roughly. Is this likely to continue, given an influx of new owners keen to take their clubs into the EFL? Or can you imagine any cost control measures? Are you happy to let those new owners splash their own cash as they see fit? Well, I think uh, as long as clubs can show that they're operating within their means, and by operating within those means, they're not causing risk to their clubs later on for an owner potentially loaning money and then drawing it all out and and destroying the club, then they should be able to operate providing there is no risk and they are operating in in an affordable way. The one thing I would say about ensuring the sustainability of clubs and certainly won't take any credit with this because it was way before I joined, but the one good record of the National League is that they introduced several years ago uh, their own financial reporting mechanism and and checking that clubs are operating in the appropriate way uh, back about 10 or 11 years ago. Don't hold me to the date. Yeah. But since that date, a National League club, a true National League club that's been in the league for a while, has never gone into insolvency. And we've inherited a few either coming down or, or, or through promotion. Uh, but from clubs within our own ranks, there hasn't been that issue. The one thing I would say is that any of our clubs that move from the National League, either through to the EFL, through promotion, or down the bottom door through relegation, do so in not a bad position. We, as part of those checks, I think it's really important, as part of those checks, we... We check on a monthly basis the status of money owed to HMRC, PAYE. And prior to COVID, we didn't have a single club uh, owing money to HMRC. And COVID caused a lot of problems. And and we're now moving back in the right direction. So our checks come very, very early. And we try to deal with that as we arrive, as we see that there's a, uh, there's a, a problem maybe occurring. That's really interesting to hear that you're you're trying to cut that trouble off at the pass, so to speak. Although I say the idea of someone checking monthly on how much you owe to HMRC sent a little chill down my spine. There, Mark, it's, it, a, it's part of the it's part of the requirement, part of the license of the league. So uh, we oh. get we get a report from HMRC um, and uh, of the status of the clubs with regards to VAT and PAYE. Because we have, as part of the introduction, when the when the National League changed their regulations, was that if we if there's a club going to get themselves into difficulty, the likelihood the first people that they're not going to pay is the taxman, paye. And if we can pick that up at the very first time that happens, we've got the ability to try and help our clubs uh, abort problems, and and that's how it works. I, I think, Mark, having heard that, which is it's it's brilliant to hear, but a lot of our listeners will be will be asking, well, what about Southend then, who we've talked about uh, incessantly in the last few weeks? So you were aware right from the start of those problems that those problems were waiting to happen. Then, so Southend came down to us. We inherited 
the issue with South End, but I don't think yeah. it'd be appropriate to yeah, talk about it, uh, an individual club um, uh, on air. I, I think that would not be right and it wouldn't be fair to the clubs. Okay, I understand that. Uh, we will talk about the promotion relegation issue because, again, that's another area that our listeners are very interested in. But a final question on finance for now, Mark, if you don't mind. You, you've got the broadcast deal with BT. You've got live streaming up and running. What's the financial impact been and are there plans to further expand access for fans to watch matches? I think the streaming has been fantastic. Uh, the, it's been long in the waiting. Uh, we launched it live on Boxing Day. Uh, we had a couple of weeks as a test environment beforehand, just checking that it was all going well. And it's been a really, really big success. I, I won't divulge the actual funding in here at the moment because I want to give the courtesy to share that with the clubs first. Right. Um, and that we're working through that at the moment because we've said to the clubs that we will give them uh, the first payment uh, during March. And so we're absolutely going through that at the moment. What I will say is that in terms of what we had budgeted for, we are well ahead of, of our anticipated figures. Uh, and it will be new money to clubs that they hadn't received previously. So it, I'm sure that will be welcoming. The distribution model that we'd agreed and, and we'll monitor it for the rest of the season and review it at the end of the season to see whether or not it is working the way that we want to uh, is a benefit to all 72 clubs in the competition. Uh, one of the things that uh, is of concern of some clubs is will streaming cause an impact to our uh, people coming through the gates, our fans coming through the gates yeah, yeah. and the spectator figures. That doesn't appear to be the case. We didn't think it would be the case and it doesn't appear to be the case at the moment uh, latest figures on the National League, 79% of our clubs, 80% of our clubs are um, have shown increases in attendances uh, compared to the previous year. So it's in a good position, but we will monitor that as we move through and, and review it. But it's it's good news. And are we looking to expand it? We've just released some test events for Step 2 uh, to see whether or not Step 2 clubs can operate and make that a financially viable option as well. But we hope so. Can I just bring Kieran in there, Mark? Because um, that's really interesting to hear you say that about it not affecting um, attendances on the day. Because we've spoken to one or two club owners in, in League One and League Two um, who said that was an inevitability, Kieran. So it's interesting to hear that that's not the case. It, yes, it is. I mean, I think the the club owners that we've spoken to have sort of, used as as their their evidence uh those times when they are playing um you know or quite often and quite often it will be midweek fixtures which you've got to be a little bit cautious about because i don't think you can directly link mid midweek fixtures to those which take place on a saturday because of work commitments school commitments and so on but they they did say that the, their evidence was that when their matches were taking place, which coincided with uh, Champions League matches and matches which are live uh, on broadcast on the on the subscription channels for for the Premier League and so on, they felt that there was a, a decrease. Uh, yeah, you know, my, my personal view as a fan is that 
I'd much rather be there. It's, it's the it's, it's it's the Glastonbury argument. You can watch it on the iPlayer at home, or you can be there. And being there is a much more immersive, much more memorable experience than watching a match on television. So I I, I agree with Mark that given a choice, fans will m- make the effort to uh, attend matches. If circumstances dictate that they can't, then I think this is uh, this sort of acts as a. Uh, as sort of a safety net and allows you know, allows fans an alternative, but I, I can't see that many physically choosing uh, the the option of uh, a, a a streamed service uh, compared to being there because it, it, football's a communal activity. Yeah, it, it's it, good. It's good to know from Mark that the, their numbers are backing that opinion up, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's 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 also important to know that what is the purpose of the streaming. The streaming is is not intended to replace people going in through the gates. The streaming is meant to open the door for those people who can't get to the teams that they follow in under normal circumstances, be that in a domestic environment or abroad. So that is the whole purpose of it. And as good as the streaming is, and it is a really good quality, it is still a one-cam review at the moment. Might change that, but it's a one-cam review at the moment with commentary. It's not a replacement for getting in, in, uh, into the ground. The other important point being made as to why the impact will be midweek in the main is because of Article 48, um, which prevents us, the blackout time, which prevents yep. us from streaming mm. um, on a typical Saturday afternoon fixture in, in most circumstances. So the only people we can stream then are those that are uh, international viewers. So uh, that's why it's a bigger impact midweek when there's less fans. So the impact would be less. But one of the important aspects of the distribution model, which will be seen, uh, and we have shared it with the clubs, is that this is a streaming package that is on a league platform, not an individual club. So uh, what the way that the distribution model works is that it is split using a formula that even your ga- even if your game is not being streamed at that time, you will be getting a benefit from all of the other games that are being streamed, okay? So even if you have lost a couple of fans, it is hoped that the benefit on the way the distribution model works for the benefit of all of those in the, in the league will compensate for that, for those few clubs where they might lose a few fans midweek. Um, but we will be analysing the data uh, and we'll be analysing the data of travelling fans. And we have promised the clubs that we will share that in a transparent way and review it if it becomes necessary. Well, I'm going to take a, a leap in the dark here in an attempt to sound clever. But Article 48, that's a UEFA for article, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. And would you mind just briefly explaining what it is just for our listeners at home? So Article 48 is intended to prevent the streaming or showing live TV uh, football matches on uh, broadcast channels on a Saturday between uh, 3 o'clock and 5.30. I've I've got the times actually slightly wrong, but it's the traditional games on, on that Saturday to ensure that there isn't an impact 
on clubs throughout the system of people coming to games. That's the intention of it. It's been there a long time. Uh, You could probably do a show on its own as to whether or not it's a benefit or not a benefit. And, And pretty much like the distribution of money, you'll have differing views. I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Let's talk about promotion, Mark. In recent years, you can guarantee we'll have questions every week about kit manufacturer, amortization, uh, kickoff times, etc. In recent months, there's two that have become even more and more common. And the first is, is an automatic two up, two down inevitable between League Two and the National League? Look, we've made it clear that uh, we would like to see three up, three down from the, the EFL to the um, uh, and the National League uh, um, probably with two automatic places, with one on a playoff place. Uh, I think we're closer than we've ever been before. Uh, would I go as far to say that it's an inevitability? Uh, I, 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 I would hope so. Um, we are a lot closer, and I think there is a desire to make it happen. So uh, whether that will be um, sort of in the immediate term um, or or a little way in the future, I don't know, but we are a lot, lot closer than we have been before. So do I think it will happen? Yes, I do. And, and can you just remind us, about, will, will all 72 teams in the EFL vote on that or just the ones that are currently in League Two at the time? I, I think it's a matter for the uh, League Two clubs, but that's something right, we'd have okay. to pick up with the EFL directly. And, and off the back of that, the other question we've been asked uh, a lot since the end of last season, will the National League playoff final continue to be in London? You've been asked that before. So call it a chuckle. You've been asked that before, haven't you? Once or twice. What I would say is I've only been here, and and this will be my third final uh, this season, uh, of which I've had one in London and one out of London. Right. Okay. Um, If I if I would say to you though uh, that who's going to be in the playoff final next year, you wouldn't have a clue, and. it's one of the toughest things to deal with is to get a venue uh, for a final that minimises the travelling for the finalists. It's even harder when you've got no idea who the finalists will be. Um, the uh, I would equally say, as long as we can secure the final at Wembley, yeah, uh, it's it's our national stadium, yeah, uh, and it will probably be for some. The only time they'll yeah, ever get the chance to be there, and and why wouldn't we want it at Wembley? Uh, so that would be my preferred option. Um, if we can't hold it at Wembley for whatever reason, then we need to find a suitable venue where we can. 
we had a problem last year. I'll, I'll deal with the elephant in the room as the problem that we had last year in securing a venue was that it was pretty late in the day with regards to uh, the playing season uh, at a time where clubs are normally relaying their pitch and everything else. So to find a suitable venue that can host uh, a a major final that will secure a place into the EFL were, was a hard task. And, and in fairness, we two years ago, we went to uh, Bristol City yeah. and uh, the London Stadium last year, two really, really good stadiums that were befitting for, for the competition. Will it be in London um, moving forward? If we can secure Wembley, yes. Uh, if it's if we can't secure Wembley, then all options are open. Yeah, I, I, I also, to be fair, it was a cracking game at the London Stadium last year with with, with Grimsby coming. But I suppose you, you've got two camps to play off, haven't you? You've got those people who look at the the National League and, and think that the vast majority of teams are based in the north, so why should they have to travel? And then you've got those people who, as you quite rightly say, may get their one chance to see. At their club at Wembley or indeed at the London Stadium. So there's there's two sets of fans to sort of juggle, aren't there, really? But absolutely there are. And and the real challenge with that is trying to second-guess who those finalists are, are going to be and the amount of time that it takes to negotiate a contract and secure the venue is not a two-minute job. I'm sure people will, will understand that. And, it, and if you look at the National League table, uh, at the moment, and look at the top teams in the national national division now. Uh, I think it's fair to assume, um, although it's not mathematically impossible, the automatic promotion is either going to go to Wrexham or Notts County. Yeah, yeah. Right. So you can take one of those two out of the equation, and then you've got Woking, Chesterfield, Eastleigh, Barnet, Boreham Wood, Wildstone, Southend, Bromley, Dagenham, and Redbridge. Very many of those. Southern based. Yeah, it's true. But we only know that now. We didn't know that, um, you know, six months ago. And, and it's a real, one of the hardest things that I, I've had to try and get sorted yeah. is the venue for the promotion final. Well, also what you, what you do know is, and it is likely that either Notts County or Wrexham will be in, in the playoff final, and either of those will bring probably 20,000 fans to wherever you play, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're seeing clubs becoming fully professional at much lower levels now, Mark. Do you think that's sustainable? I think I'd link it back to the uh, the white paper uh, and again the National League financial regulation to try and make sure that when they say fully professional, uh, I think the term professional is used when I think what we really mean is full time. Uh, players, full-time teams, full-time yeah. staff and everything else, providing they operate within those means and we've got the right owners taking ownership of the clubs, there's no reason why that shouldn't be sustainable. Uh, one of the aims for us is to constantly improve standards and that will be right the way through the, to be fair, right the way through the National League system to up the standard year on year so that clubs are able to um, improve on how it was the previous year. That's how I would like to see the National League in increasing its standard year on year. And inevi inevitably, that will move into more full-time 
um, members and providing that's financially sustainable, that's got to be good for the game. We only have three more questions for you, Mark. The first two are... I kind of hesitate to describe as existential because that sounds a bit grown up. But are, are you happy that the National League is becoming increasingly identified as, as Division 5 of the pyramid or, or would you prefer people to see it as having its own identity? Uh, I'm fairly relaxed. Uh, I think the identity of the competition is is important. Uh, you could dress it up as being the fifth tier. You could dress it up as being the third league. Uh I'm proud of the fact that it's identified as the Manorama National League. I think we're in a good place. Uh, for me, it's providing a high-quality product that people enjoy coming to watch. So um, we're in the middle of write- rewriting our strategy. I'm sure identity will be will be one of those issues uh, under discussion. Well, yeah, I don't think you can doubt the quality of the product because it's becoming blinking difficult to get out of that league, isn't it? It's, <laughs> an, it's an indication... That there are so many more teams. I mean, certainly when it when it first happened. I mean, Lincoln were the first team to to get, get relegated. The, the first three or four seasons, if you got relegated to the league, you came straight back and then more or less. Well, but that, that's not happening, is it? No, it's not. And, and I would, uh, I would, in the in the hope that some of your League Two clubs will be listening to to the show. Uh, I'd ask the owners of those clubs to remember that um, increasing it from three up to three down, three up, three down will increase your chance of getting back out. So um, please support it. Well, I suppose that the other problem as well is if, if you're a, a club like Oldham, ending up in the National League is, is not good. Whereas if you're a club like Dorking, it's the most amazing thing that could ever happen. Fantastic. Absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just goes to the quality of the product. Yeah. You, you must be happy as well, Mark. Certainly in the last, I'd say since we came out of the, the pandemic, the National League has been attracting such big fan numbers but are you frustrated that's not really being reflected in mainstream media? For all that we talk about people, as, as you say, calling it League 3 or Division 5, still not being talked about enough, is it, in the in the sports pages? I, I wouldn't say frustrated. I, I see that as a challenge for us uh, to promote what we do uh, bigger and better. Uh, so that's not really the failing um, of the outlets. Uh, maybe we need to do more in promoting the good that we've got. Uh, and uh, my first 12 months was dealing with uh, difficult times. Uh, I hope the next uh, 12 months, two years, will be promoting even stronger uh, the fantastic product of the National League. And by that, I mean National League both step one and step two. I don't know if you, this last question, Mark, I don't know if you can quantify this, but how much free PR has Wrexham bought you? <laughs> um, look, there's no getting away from it that, that uh, Wrexham are uh, the, probably the most talked about, well, definitely the most talked about club uh, in the national division. It, it's been fantastic for the league. Uh, they're a great club. They're, they're in a very fortunate position to to have the support that they've got through their owners. They're doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Uh, part of me would say, wouldn't it be nice to still have them in our competition next year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I won't be thanked for that. So I won't, uh, I, I, I say that firmly with tongue in cheek. Um, but look, they, they are doing really, really well. And has it brought positive PR to us? Yes, it has.
Well, again, the trouble is it comes back, if you're a club like Dorking or, or Woking, you do want Wrexham to still be there, don't you? Because you want those away fans coming. Is it difficult when you find yourself going to Wrexham, Mark, is it difficult not to slip a couple of DVDs in the pocket, just maybe get them signed, <laughs> <laughs> possibly put them on eBay? <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, but now you suggest it. Let's, uh, let's see. So. Uh, Mark, it's been very kind of you to take time out of your schedule uh, to talk to us. It's been very interesting. Um, we will get... Uh, a lot of feedback, and I know, because it, I think it's an indicator, as, as we said, of how well the National League is doing it. In the first year of our product, we barely mentioned it, but in the last year, it's been talked about a lot, and mostly in a, in a positive way. So it's been really interesting to get your feedback and insight. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. I thought Mark was was very very interesting. Uh, there was a couple of things that I thought I'd like to pick up on. Um, well, three in particular. His his response to that uh, fuss, as we said, about the distribution of that national lottery money, and and in particular, I thought what he had to say about the National League and their monthly monitoring of club finances was very interesting. Yes, um, in in terms of the. Uh, distribution of monies. I think what caused as much consternation as as anything else was that there didn't appear to be necessarily great uh, great consultation or communication. Now, I absolutely take Mark's viewpoint, but the most important thing was to get money to clubs as quickly as possible and not to be, you know, Doing some sort of Jimmy Hill style chin stroking for for weeks upon end, whilst whilst the clubs potentially were going to go out of business. Um, the the Bernstein report, which which the has not been published, I think that's a shame. Uh, you know, I'm a great believer in, in transparency, um, and that was that's an area which I think personally the, the National League could address. Um, but with regards to the real time monitoring of uh, clubs in terms of their their bank balances. Fantastic, yeah. That's that's that makes just a lot of sense. If, if the if the National League can keep an eye on the finances of individual clubs by having access to their accounts, by having communication uh, approved by uh, HMRC, then then that's one way forwards, and 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 everybody ends up a winner. Yeah, uh, you know, clubs get to survive. Fans can sleep a little bit more soundly at night, and uh, you know, I, I absolutely take on board Mark's comments that. Um, there have been some clubs which have been relegated from the EFL, and you effectively inherit uh, you inherit all of the club problems and uh, and, and the good bits. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I, w- I was very impressed. Yeah, I think as well, it's also fair to underline that Mark wasn't at the National League when the National Lottery money was being distributed. I also thought it was interesting about the that playoff about having the um, the playoff playoff, if you like between fans who want a trip to London and fans who think it's too expensive and why isn't the playoff final in, in the northwest or the north? I thought that was an interesting discussion. Yes, and again, it's it's indicative of, you know, we, we see things through a fan's eye, you know, from, from that particular lens. But uh, these are uh, organisations as, as either individual football clubs or the like of Wembley and therefore... Um, they do an awful lot of planning in advance. That means that the National League have to do their planning in advance as well. And it, it's great that you know, in an in an ideal world, they, they would like the matches to take place at Wembley because 
of the the emotional benefits that bring to both fans and players. Yeah, we have some very good interviews coming up as well. We're, we're negotiating with the FA to get someone uh, of a high level there to come and chat to us. We have a, an interview planned next week about grassroots and schools football. So we hope to bring you as many interviews as we possibly can in the future. Thank you for listening to this one. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page, including Jack Fleming, Andy Oakley, Sam Farrington, Daryl Smith, Paul Glover, Joseph Hall, Will Block, Chris Springer, Jerry Lyons, Mike Cruisden, Colin Carr, Adam Roper, Justin, Steve, and Mark Brotherton. I don't know if that's Justin, Steve, and Mark Brotherton, who are all Brotherton brothers, or it's Justin, Steve, and Mark Brotherton, because the Oxford comma hasn't been used <laughs> properly. Ali's been talk, telling me about the Oxford comma, and now I, I'm obsessed with looking out for the Oxford comma. I'll talk to the producer guy about that in future. Um, Mark Brotherton says, enjoy all your pods, including the regular balanced reporting and the finances of the team. I support Preston North End. If you'd like to join those lovely people and make a small monthly contribution to the pod, then go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. We'll be back on Monday with our questions pod, which may be fraught, depending on what happens, uh, basically Wednesday night at the Amex. Uh, but Kieran, we'll still be friends, Kieran. Our friendship will rise above simple things like Palace getting hammered by Brighton, won't it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, we, we both know. 1-0, Palace, 92nd minute, off Lewis Dunk's arse. That's, have you put a bet it's, on it's that? Written in, it's written in the stars. Written a, in you, the stars. Have you put a bet on that, Kieran? I might have. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. The price of football. I'm for the